Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Lavendar is on assignment tonight, but she does send her love and support for our special guest this evening, who is Nicole Bars. Nicole is an artist, energy worker, planetary crystal grid balancer, and energy conduit for the new frequencies coming into the planet. Born under the dark of the moon with a strong connection to Neptune in the 12th house, her airy sun, Pisces moon, and Sagittarius rising placements have supported her in uncovering her soul's purpose in this life. From a young age, she knew she was different from others around her. She found Lavendar's discovery of star markings in 2011, attending her first quest in 2012. Since then, she's experienced profound energetic events, traveled to sacred sites, planting the Giza crystals, cleared disruptive energy in Masonic buildings with sound and ceremony, and most recently opened her online shop, Fractal Expressions, offering her art and powerfully powerful optically clear Arkansas quartz, Colombian quartz, and Lemurian crystals for people to work with. After her QHHT session with Suzanne Spooner early in 2020, profound information came through, which she followed, leading her to be connected with these crystal beings, becoming a bridge between the crystals and their keepers. Her new website is Fractal Expressions, and Fractal is spelled F-R-A-C-T-A-L, FractalExpressions.com, and also Instagram at Fractal.Expressions. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Kathy and Fiona for hosting the Switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's continual dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk, and if you'd like to show your support of our program, please, all you have to do is click follow on our page here, and you'll get our show notices, which go out twice a month if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And please be aware that due to a massive global starseed activation, our waiting lists are at about six months. But that is starting to shrink now because our new team of astrologers have completed their training and are now helping us and our starseed community. And once again, I think it's interesting to note that this started uh, well over a year before our current global crisis. And all of you are bringing more light to this world. If you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And the timing chart only takes a few days to deliver. But if you want the stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order about six months ahead of your birthday so that you can have it before the 10 hours happens. 
So first up this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. Good evening, Ariel. Did you find me there on the switchboard? I did. Oh, good. You're so good at what you do. <laughs> Great well, to be with repetition. everybody tonight. <laughs> yes, but you are good yes. at everything. And uh, so, hello, Autumn. What do you know? Can you believe it? Summer is gone. It's past. And the fall equinox happened one week ago, September 22nd. But for many of us, it, it may feel like autumn has already arrived because the weather is crisp in the northeast and the Pacific Northwest and dropping temperatures in the south, certain parts of it. So, yeah, it's here. In fact, where I am, the leaves have been changing for a week, and that seems to be a bit early to me. But anyway, yeah. on the fall equinox, which means, did you know this, equal night in Latin, the amount of daylight is nearly equal to the hours of darkness. The equinox happens for just a moment, and this year it took place at 9.31 a.m. Eastern Time on last week, last Tuesday. Now, at this time, Earth's axis is tilted neither toward nor away from the sun, leading to an almost equal amount of sunlight and darkness at all latitudes. And people at the equator will notice or have noticed that the sun was directly overhead at 12 p.m. local time on the day of the equinox. So here we are at the middle of things, sort of a balance before winter comes. And uh, the smell of autumn is in the air. Well, here's a story that is really interesting, something we never think about, but with the focus on cures for viruses and such and new, new epidemics coming up and all kinds of things, this is very interesting. They have revived the original mold that led to the discover, discovery of penicillin. Really? They kept it? Yes, they did. A uh-huh. sample of mold that had first led to the discovery of penicillin in the 1920s has been revived. The newly awakened fungus, uh, they tell us, could provide hints about how to conquer drug-resistant superbugs. So what happened was a professor of bacteriology in London accidentally, uh, he discovered penicillin in 1928. And what happened was, I remember my mother telling me about this when I was a child, about bread mold. And this is how it was discovered. But anyway, his Petri dishes became contaminated with mold. And that particular mold is penicillin nautatum. Anyway, he took the ingredient from penicillin from the mold and found that it killed many kinds of harmful bacteria. And then they later made penicillin out of it. Well, after that serendipitous discovery of penicillin, the mother mold was frozen since 1928 and has been kept in storage. Well, now's the time, they said, to bring it out and examine it. And according to um, a professor at the Imperial College of London, he said, I quote, we realized to our surprise that no one had sequenced the genome of this original penicillium, despite its historical significance to the field. So what they did was they took it apart and examined the DNA, and they published their findings uh, this month in the journal Scientific Reports. Well, what they did was they compared the original mold to two modern strains of penicillium that is used to produce antibiotics in the United States modern antibiotic penicillin. Well, the differences between the historic and modern mold strains could tell us how penicillium has evolved through time and whether the drug that's made from it could be improved. This might be a solution to uh, drug-resistant bacteria. And they say that by identifying the differences in the mold strains used to make penicillin today 
comparing that with the original mold. They say that they hope to come up with new ways to improve or design antibiotics for combating sickness. So what an idea. That has been frozen really? since 1928. Wow. Wow is right. The freezer keeps everything alive. <laughs> okay. Well, the state of Maryland has just become the first state to ban foam takeout containers. Yay for Maryland. Uh, Anastasia's clapping. Uh, and come to find out in the studying this article, um, several cities across the United States have issued bans on expanded polystyrene foam which, as we all know, is very environmentally unfriendly, used uh, for food containers, egg cartons, you name it. But Maryland has become the first state to ban foam containers statewide. So Maryland lawmakers proposed banning polystyrene in 2019, and it was supposed to go into effect on July uh, July 1, 2020. But they decided to postpone this due to COVID-19. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but they did. But now the Maryland people are beginning to adjust to the new normal. Um, they call that, you know, separation, uh, social isolation from the pandemic. And the state has decided, well, let's give it the green light and go ahead with it. So as of October this year, just a month away, actually, gosh, October 1st, just two days away, Maryland <laughs> restaurants can no longer offer foam takeout containers. They can't use foam cups, plates, or trays. And school cafeterias across the state will be required to replace foam crockery with alternate materials, and this is according to the Baltimore Sun. So they're suggesting that people, companies, restaurants, cafeterias and such buy uh, paper that will be compostable. So we'll see. Those items, by the way, are a lot more expensive, and I'm sure there will be some moaning and groaning, but what a wonderful thing for the environment. This is a big, uh, a big change for the, for the better. I think this is a good sign. I think it's because more starseed are on the planet doing their stuff. And That's some right. things are sinking in. Really, those little yeah. start with baby steps, and it's infectious. The right kind of infectious. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I ran across this article, and I thought, I think some of the starseed ladies like their wine. So I wanted to share this with you because I thought all wine was vegan. And I don't, I don't partake myself, but wine's made from grapes and fruits, and that doesn't contain anything with animal products, does it? Well, I found out it does sometimes. So um, if you remember seeing vegan wine lists of vegan wines that you could have with your meal, and if you're wondering why why all wines aren't considered vegan, then you aren't alone because Anastasia (laughs) wondered the same thing. And, you know, wine isn't made with any animal product, no eggs, dairy, meat, or honey. Um, So why is it considered vegan? Uh, Why isn't it considered vegan? So uh, this is the story. There's a step in the winemaking process that's called Fining, which essentially gets rid of unwanted proteins and tannins in the wine while it's sitting in the cellar. But some wines can fine naturally. Um, but then sometimes producers use something called a fining agent to get this to go along faster. Modern technology, you know. And these agents attract the unwanted particles to make them larger, ultimately making them easier to remove from the bottle. When you make wine, there's sediment in the bottom. Well, the commonly used fining agents aren't always vegan, and sometimes they aren't even vegetarian. They use things like milk protein, egg whites, animal protein like gelatin, fish bladder protein, and stuff like that. And they tell us that uh, they don't stay in the wine, so they're not really additives. But many vegans uh, stay away from some or all of these as they can be technically absorbed into the wine. So 
They tell you that if the ingredients aren't listed on the bottle and you really want to have plant-based wine, you have to really ask for it. And in certain stores, they specialize in organic and vegan wines. So there you go. I bet a lot of you didn't know that they use some animal products in the fining of the wines. If we're huh, that I never heard of that. No, right. Well, I have a shocking statistic for you. Did you know that in the United States that we send about 21 billion pounds of textile waste into our landfills? Clothing, sheets, blankets, pillows, textile waste. That fills 5% of all landfills. And the average American discards 70 pounds of clothing a year. Uh, You know, that's not very sustainable for the environment. So now there's a new movement, and it's called um, clothes flipping. I think that's taken from real estate, flipping things, fixing them up. Okay, Some people do this to make money, and other people do that just because they're socially conscious and environmentally conscious. So now the new trend is to go shopping in your own closet. (laughs) Yeah, that is real shopping. I mean, it could be. But the idea is to take your old clothing and accessories and turn them into something new. And that's called being thrifty, flipping, upcycling, and shopping all at once. So the intention of this is to get people to wear clothes longer and uh, keep it out of the landfills. Um, So one of the things we need to learn, they tell us, about all of the waste that's going into the dumps of wasted textiles, and think of all of the earth resources used to to produce this clothing, the dyes and the chemicals and the the farming of the land and the you know the plastics and all the everything going into making textiles. It's really pretty toxic. So it tells us that we probably should quit buying so much. We need to reduce our consumption, and then it's suggesting that we learn to repurpose what we already have. And then sometimes you can donate it. But did you know that only about of the things that you donate end up going onto the market because many of the things that people turn into the secondhand stores uh, are so damaged they can't be used. So 10, maybe 15% of donated clothing ends up in somebody's hands. The rest of it goes into the trash. So the option then is to recycle our clothing. So you check out what you've got and then you flip it. (laughs) And so they say there's different ways to recycle your plants your your, uh, clothes. Um, You take an inventory of your closet, you find what you don't want anymore, and then you begin to remake it. They tell us we can turn a sweater into a purse, a t-shirt into a wreath, maybe a t-shirt into a bag. We could make a pair of mittens out of a sweater, and we could make headbands out of jeans, and so on and so forth. So if you're craft-oriented, if you're good with sewing, try it. There's a new trend now where people are actually making money at this, by taking old clothing, repurposing it, some people are making quilts, finding very creative things to do with rags and things that are no longer worn, and, and making money off of them. Some people have made a small cottage industry out of that. If you have a talent in that way, put your thinking cap on, as my first grade teacher used to say, and begin to decide ways to repurpose your clothing. Um, new, uh, new industry for a new world. And California has banned the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Gosh, that's not very far off. And they're telling us that all that Los Angeles traffic could get a lot more bearable. So just a few days ago, on the 24th, 
the California governor issued an executive order with new regulations for vehicles across the state that by 2035, all cars and trucks sold in California must produce zero emissions. And considering the fact that air pollution is disproportionate in California, um, all of the smoke and all of the other problems that they're having and the concentration of vehicles, they say it's an emergency to take this step to curb pollution. Well, they didn't really use the emergency. Urgent would be a better word. So now they're working with the California Air Resources Board on the legislation. They're drafting rules to ensure that every passenger car and truck sold in California beginning in 2035 will have no emissions. Now they say that it doesn't mean that in 2035 all cars will be zero emissions, but cars that are purchased and new definitely will be. Now, so what they're looking for is electrically charged cars. And additionally, uh, a little bit later, 10 years later, by 2045, uh, California is going to require that all trucks be zero emission and all heavy-duty vehicles to be zero emission. So it's going to take them a little longer to get everybody. Um, but, wow, that's, that's yeah, a major start step. somewhere. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, there's how many billions of cars are there? So, yeah, it's going to take a while. But that means no more petroleum-operated vehicles, let's say by maybe 2050. In the state of California and other states may follow suit. Um, right now they may start doing that. Who knows? But that is, I hope it's not, you know, too little, too late. But there it is. Like you said, you've got to start somewhere. It's going to be interesting. They're going to have to have an awful lot of charging stations. <laughs> well, <Yeah. clears throat> don't litter in Thailand, not unless you want a package sent to you that you wouldn't want. Just never litter in Thailand because in Thailand they have a park, a national park, called Khao Yai. And the officials there will collect all of your trash. They will track you down. I don't care where in the world you live. And they will mail your garbage back to you. Now, that's one package we won't want to open. Now, this is reported by the Korean news outlet Daum. But according to this, Thailand's environmental minister uh, has shared photos on Facebook of boxes and boxes and boxes filled with trash collected from this national park. And these boxes are addressed to the people whom the government says is responsible for leaving the trash at the park. So to make sure that the offenders, they say, don't think that their trash is just a prank from an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, they've included a note with the garbage, and it says, you forgot these things at Khao Yai National Park, and we are returning them to you as a souvenir. Wow. <laughs> that's... that's that's costing them some money. They really it feel is. serious about this. Be accountable. Yeah. How many times people drop a potato chip bag thinking nobody's noticed? Forever and ever. So now I'd like to know how they track it. Maybe I don't want to know how they track it. <clears throat> anyway, is that park under surveillance? <laughs> we One must wonder how they find out who dropped the candy wrapper, but apparently they're managing it. Well, Washington State gets my uh, uh, admiration. It is now the seventh state to ban wildlife killing contests. Now, you know, you and I, uh, our audience is not going to find any interest or appeal, anything other than revulsion, uh, for the idea that hunting wildlife in a contest is sporting. But there are people who do it. They do it a lot. And Washington has just become the seventh state to ban these contests, 
which by the Humane Society of the United States has been deemed to be cruel and unsporting. And according to Washington State and uh, the Humane Society, they say, we have made it our mission to end all wildlife killing contests, gruesome events that make a game out of recklessly and indiscriminately killing animals for cash, prizes, and bragging rights. These competitions that feature piles of animal carcasses are not only cruel and unsporting, they are also at odds with science. Mm-hmm. Odds with, hum- at, with humanity, I would think. Yeah. They go on to, <laughs> uh, the Humane Society defines wildlife killing contests as organized events in which participants compete for prizes, typically cash or hunting equipment, for killing the most and or largest animals within a specified time period. Contests may also be judged by a system that allocates a number of points for each species by gender, such as the largest male or smallest female, or by characteristic, characteristics such as biggest ears or mangiest mutt, hunting anything from bobcats to coyotes, foxes, and wolves. Now, hunters justify wildlife killing contests by claiming they're an effective form of, quote, pest control, end quote. Well, if the population of a certain species is high in a certain area, they're often the targets of local wildlife killing contests, eliminated in massive numbers year after year. And the justification, however, is baseless. Species, especially predators, keep ecosystems healthy and thriving, and reducing the population lowers the the biodiversity of the natural habitat. Nature does have a balance. It isn't up to us to decide, perhaps. But now with Washington State's conservation victory, it has officially become the seventh state, as I've already told you. But they're they're joining Arizona, California, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Mexico, and Vermont. And they're also active in other states to encourage similar measures. They are really trying to put a stop to this. And as passed, the law prohibits the mass killing of animals for cash prizes, including... Coyotes, bobcats, crows, and foxes. It also protects certain animals that are often left out of other kinds of protective laws. Uh, And coyotes is an example of that. Usually, coyotes are completely overlooked. They're not protected from anything. So now it's good to hear that the local coyote population there, as well as all other wildlife, will be safe from state-sanctioned killing contests. Wow. You know, some of these things you just wonder, what took us so long? Yeah. So I I have a quote for you from Henry Beston, whoever that dear man was, and I quote, We patronize the animals for their incompleteness, for their tragic fate of having taken form so far below ourselves. And therein we err, and greatly err. For the animal shall not be measured by man or woman. In a world older and more complete than ours, they are more finished and complete gifted with extensions of the senses we have lost or never attained, living by voices that we shall never hear. They are not brethren. They are not underlings. They are other nations, caught with ourselves in the net of life and time, fellow prisoners of the splendor and travail of the earth. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then James Harriet said If having a soul means being able to feel love and loyalty and gratitude, then animals are better off than a lot of humans. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and as a dog lover, I know that you can understand that, Ariel. Oh, all yeah. right. Well, from my heart to each one of you, have a, uh, all my love and have a beautiful week. Two weeks, everybody. So until we meet again. Yes, yes, until we yes. meet again. I always look forward to that. Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you, Ariel. Okay. Thanks so much, Anastasia. Good night. Good night. Well, um, we have our guest um, online and ready to go. So let me just get your mic open. Hi, Nicole. How are you doing? Hi, Ariel. I'm doing great. How are you? It's so lovely to hear Hi. your voice again. Well, that's same here, my Aries sister. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we're just we are so proud of you, and um, you have come such a long way since um, since we first met you, like eight years ago. And I mean, you have just bloomed, and what you're doing is just so wonderful. So, um, and we do we do like you know when star seeds are are um, finding their way and starting their their path and doing their their missions um we like to you know give some exposure and airtime so that other people can know that um you know you did it and maybe they can too so why don't you just give us a little bit of background about you know uh, how you grew up how you started and when you started to wake up and just you know kind of give us a little bit of a background about Nicole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, like a lot of um, starseeds in my age group, I was born in 1982. Um, I, I grew up feeling very different, like I didn't fit in. Um, I got teased and bullied a lot in school because I was quiet or had my head in the clouds thinking of other things. Um, and for the longest time, I always had wondered why my peers couldn't understand or feel things or see things the way that I saw. For example, I've always had an extremely strong connection with uh, nature, earth, water, the planet, and music especially. And any time that I would try to explain these things to my friends, they would think that I'm crazy or I'm nuts or, you know, all the words get thrown at us. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I grew up like that. A, I didn't have too terribly many friends, um, but I always had this knowing in the back of my mind that I was here to be part of something important, something big, something bigger than myself that that involved the the planet on a wide scale and as a young child I thought is this just me imagining things or is there something to it but then I started having all of these really interesting um, dreams that were more than dreams now that I look back upon them and as I continued to to grow up I started to have more and more of these strange experiences like I would hide myself in the dark closet because it was dark and I could see things in the dark. Like I could see um, energy or movement or sparkles or like different things in my environment. And I would talk to um, the space and I would get answers in my head. And it was just kind of like this wonderful place for me to realize that, yeah, I'm not imagining this. And then I would have these really 
dream, these strange dreams of being taken places and waking up and feeling really uncomfortable and scared. And for the longest time, up until very recently in this year of 2020, I had this irrational, unexplainable fear of a typical gray alien. Like when you see a picture of one, I instantly felt fear from it. And I didn't know why. I, I had no reason to. I just felt that way. And over the course of time, I discovered through um, different events I've been part of, experiences that I've had, and with the QHHT session that my fear actually came from past abduction experiences when I was a child, being taken aboard ship and having experiments done upon myself. But I didn't consciously remember everything. And then once I was about 17 years old, I started getting more and more pieces put together, and and I just was on this big mission of figuring things out. Um, And it actually all kind of started when I took a long, hard look at uh, a plaque that my mom had made for me when I was born. It has my birth date, my birth time, my birth weight, and my birth time was is 2.22 a.m. And that always stuck in the back of my head. And before the internet became a, a popular household item, um, I, I would have instances with seeing repeated numbers all the time. 1111, 111, 222, 333, all of those. And then there was one moment when I woke up, this is before the internet, at 1111, in the same night. And that was kind of like my first big wake-up moment where I started investigating all of these things. And then once the internet became available, I, I did some research and I found out that there were other people like myself who saw these things. That was my stepping stone into pretty much where I am now. It um, it led me on all of these interesting adventures, meeting new people, and um, the biggest catalyst of all was both of my parents passing away. When my mother passed away, um, she passed away on uh, March 6, 2011, at 11.11 that night. And my phone froze. It just completely blocked up, and the timestamp was on there. And that's when I knew that I had to, like, there was something to this. There really was something to this. And it was shortly after that that I discovered Lavendar and got my reading from you back then and then went on to my first Starseed quest. And then it's just been this huge roller coaster of growth and empowerment since then. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm just listening and I'm thinking how many people that are listening are thinking, me too, that happened to me too. And it's such a, um, I mean, when you're in the middle of it, there's, um, you know, the confusion, you don't understand and things don't make sense. And, and, you know, there can be some fear when you don't understand things. But then it starts to, you know, fall into place piece by piece by piece. And I'm thinking that, um, that this is such a a common um I mean, events are different, but the but the reaction to those is very very typical for starseeds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and both your parents passed. Yes, my dad passed away in two thousand and three, and then my mother passed away in two thousand and eleven, and it was her passing that was this huge, incredible jump start to my whole awakening process and. 
I, now that I look back on it, I, I had a reading with Lavendar when we were talking about the energetics of all of that. It was actually an agreement between myself and my mother for that to happen, for me to experience what has happened since then. And I got confirmation of that as well with my QHHT session. That was like the most life-affirming thing I have ever done in my life, and I'm so happy I've done I did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very powerful. It is. Um, yeah, and I mean, as I'm listening, I'm thinking, you know, um, by the time I was 21, both of my parents were gone, and and it was, you know, wanting to, you know, connect with them. I knew that they were somewhere, and that was really the beginning of my spiritual awakening. Um, you know, and I was I was reading books about the afterlife, and um, I mean. When you're, when you're 21, what do you know? <laughs> not, you know, not a whole lot. But I had that that drive. So I mean, I was listening, think, oh wow, the same thing happened to me. And I wonder how many other people have had um, things that might have been traumatic when they happened, but it was a, a trigger mm-hmm. to to dig in and figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and the 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 numbers the number thing, um, each I mean each set of of repeating numbers obviously has a different frequency and is connected maybe to different um, occasions, events, or um, focus or foci <laughs> focuses, <laughs> um, and and certainly the eleven eleven that is about waking up. It is, a, is the um, intent of ascension, and that's that's the code, and we all have that. Yeah. I mean, I'd like yeah. to see a show of hands in the audience. <laughs> How many people have stories about the 1111 showing up when they were first awakening? So, um, yeah, and then, the, you probably know, a fair to, number to 20. Of people. I, I think probably a, a vast majority have had some experience with those with those numbers, I know I always did, and I still do. And certainly, yeah. that you know, the twenty twos, um, yeah, it's a master number. It's a master number of mastership. And so, have you gotten into numerology with this? I haven't gone and studied it a lot. Um, I've, I'm a very feeling and intuition person, so I always go by what I what I feel, what I sense when something like that comes up for me. I know that mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who dig really down deep into it and have all of these different meanings for different things. But I mean, Lavendar says it best: truth knows its own source. So when when I see something and I know how it makes me feel and I know what it feels like for me. And it might not be the exact same thing for someone else. Exactly. Um, I think the, the one universal one is probably 1111, just because it's this huge, gigantic wake-up code. And if you actually look at the digital representation of 1111, you've got two gates on one side, two gates on the other, and a space in the middle. So it's opening wide the gates when you think about it on a visual perspective. So that one's just kind of the one that I feel wakes up or is the one where people start saying, you know what, there's got to be something to it. Right. I used to get them on, on receipts, randomly on like receipts that I'd buy. I'd walk out of buildings and I'd see license plates on cars go by. 
there was one time that I was just walking for a street and down the street and I got pulled into a parking lot and there was literally six cars lined up all parked beside each other. I have a video of this um, with different triple digit license plates. Like one had 222, there was a 555, a 666, a 999, a 333, all parked in the same parking lot right beside each other. (laughs) You might be the only person that noticed that. Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's just really interesting when you think about it. And what I've come to notice for myself is that when these numbers show up for me, it's it's either telling me I'm doing the right thing, I'm on the right path, keep going, doing what I'm doing, or sometimes I may have recently asked myself a question like, is this something I should do? And then I'd walk outside and like a 333 car license plate would drive by and I know that's my answer. Yes. Uh-huh. It's just a way of, of communication that I've come up with working with them. Yeah. Well, you know, that is very similar to how I explain um, uh, on, when a chart has the, the frequency for uh, ship communication. And and that's one of the things I explain is that, you know, the, your star team, your family who stayed behind to support and guide you will often use that synchronicity to to send you messages. But you have to notice. You know, yes. they, they, you could have yeah. every car around you have an 1111 on the license plate, but if you don't notice, then they have to try something louder. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I just, I, I've always gravitated towards numbers myself, and um, and you know, those synchronicities. It doesn't necessarily have to be numbers. Um, yeah. I mean, you go through a time where everywhere you look there's the image of an owl or a butterfly or something like that. Yeah. Um, and in, in those cases, then, you know, I recommend to people that, that they pick up, um, well, I'm, I guess it's going to sound like a commercial, but um, there is a lady named Jamie Sams who wrote um, the book and the cards that are called Medicine Cards, which has been written for star seeds, but it's couched in Native American philosophies, and it really teaches you about the you know animal messages, and so when you um, when you ask for guidance, your star team can can send an animal across your path, but you have to notice and you have to know what that message is. And this is a really good place where you can go look it up. Um, but do you have do you have animal guides that have appeared to you like that, whether they're uh, you know real or or, or spirit? Uh, absolutely. It, actually, crows and ravens are the ones for me. Yeah, I, they're the ones who come to me in um, the dream time and also in the real world. Like, I've had them come up super close to me. I've had some of them, like, fly right right by me, and then there's just, like, this wave of energy that comes off of them. Like, it's that, that definitely would be the one that I would gravitate towards for sure. Yeah. Well, in the in the in the, in the medicine cards, the crow um, represents law, and raven um, magic. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, and those are very. I mean, I I don't have the whole thing memorized, but I know the 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 main topic for um, most of the animals that we see every day, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and. 
I mean, you can go you can go find that any place um, medicine cards. So, um, and that's how I mean that's how we are being guided. So, um, I wanted to go back to what you had said something earlier um, about um, abductions in your early life, um, and has that has that ended? Consciously that I'm aware of, yes. Um, It's kind of changed into more so like a collaborative effort, more so in dream time and Mm -hmm. different experiences that I've had. Um, But I do, like when I had my QHHT session, I asked about this and like where the fear came from and what that was all about. Um, The reason behind it was I have hybrid children that I didn't know about. And this was the um, the part that I was kind of unconsciously, I don't know, uncomfortable with. I just didn't know the full picture. Maybe I wasn't ready to know. But in 2013, I had a experience where I was taken aboard ship. In my mind, it felt like a dream, but it was one of those things where it's so real that you know it's not a dream but at the same time they don't let you know fully consciously what it is if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah like it they give you an, enough to get a picture but not everything because it'd be really overwhelming um, I was taken aboard by a blue being who came down and said very clear to me don't be afraid there's there's nothing to be afraid of right now um, we're just going to to take you out here And I floated out through the ceiling, through the roof of the house, up into the ship. And this blue being, who I now know was a Pleiadian energy, um, took me on board and showed me, like, the earth from above. And we did a bunch of walking around. And then he took me into this room that had all of these amazing gold symbols all over the wall. Some people would call them light language. That's the best way for me to describe them. They were just symbols glowing in gold light all over the walls. And I was sitting on this, not a chair, but like something. And he came up to me and he gave me this glowing tesseract, a four-dimensional cube. And it was glowing from the inside and on every single edge of the cube, it was glowing with the same type of light language symbols, but it felt extremely familiar to me when I held it. Like I had held this many times before. And it, I remember receiving downloads and information and affirmations, guidance, clearings. And then I remember being taken back into my body. And when I woke up, it was one of those instances where you are entering your body but you're not fully awake. Like I sat up straight in my bed and I was screaming, but there was nothing coming out of my mouth. It was very weird. (laughs) (laughs) But I wrote all about it in my journal. Like there's no fear whatsoever. It's just I was trying to scream, but there was nothing coming out of my mouth. And I wrote it down and it was just kind of this puzzle piece ever since then. Little bits and pieces come out from different experiences. Uh Yeah. So um, I, I'm <clears throat> kind of tracking this because you were – I went back and looked um, on our, our uh, list of past Quest attendees, and you were actually there 
in April of 2013, which was the second quest. And and then you said you had this experience with the Pleiadian in 2013. Yeah, it was, was it was it after April? Yep, yep, absolutely it was. <laughs> I think I put so the wrong after, number. I put twenty twelve that I was there, but it was twenty thirteen. Well, I, I I had this. I had kind of a feeling that you were at the second quest, but I didn't want yeah. contra- to. I didn't want to contradict you. But then I went and <laughs> looked it up, and it's like okay, because I, I keep a, a record of you know all the past alumni. So it was April of twenty thirteen which was the second quest ever and we've since had 29 so you were uh, you know among the very first people that participated in a quest and then at some point after the quest is when this incredible experience was actually you know given to you so you know and the the earlier ones that you found very very frightful they were more um, a different species. Yeah, yeah, it was completely, yeah. completely different energies. Like I no longer have any of that fear whatsoever now that I understand everything. It was just at the time I just didn't, I didn't have the knowing, I didn't have the understanding, I didn't know what was going on, I didn't do any research, and I was a, a young kid, didn't really know, and so I just kind of went on with my life and live and let live and now that I look back on it, like it's just one of those puzzle pieces that falls into place just at a later time. Because mm-hmm. yeah. well, I've always you know, known I'm, from the time I was a child, I was never going to have any like physical children of my own. I've just always known that. And then when I found out about this project, everything just completely made sense to me. And it, now I can understand. Yeah, Absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about your your QHHT session and um, the Atlantis information that came through. Yeah. Um, So I've always had this strong knowing and connection to Atlantis. Before my session, I I had um, dreams and snippets of going through these different temples. I had crystals visit me in the dream time. I dreamt of these giant crystal palaces, like these huge double terminated crystals, just like um, this being a conduit of energy for a giant place. And then as I did more research into it, I and, you know, doing work with Lavendar and listening to some of the radio shows, I pieced together some information. I think that it might be an Atlantis connection. So when I was in my QHHT, I asked about my connection with that, and the life that I went to was actually um, my life as a sonic priestess in Atlantis, where I did work with um, crystals and sound healing and water, and um, people would come and visit me and the the group that I worked with to receive uh, cleansing, healing of ailments, to visit with the dolphins, to um, just be in like a, a temple environment and space and the crystals would be used to um, heal energetic wounds, heal physical wounds. Um, people would come swim with the dolphins and it was just like a really joyous experience in that life. And as it went on, um, I was experiencing the, the end of 
pretty much what was happening in Atlantis. And um, I saw groups of people who were getting away from the destruction, um, laying low so they wouldn't be as detected or as in, in like everyone's face as to what's going on. And they used these uh, crystal teleportation systems when they would teleport from their area to another area of the planet that had been set up on this uh, crystal energetic grid network around the planet. And so groups of people went to these places to hide out and survive the calamity. Um, And myself was one of those people in this lifetime I was experiencing. And I remember at the end of the life, when I was asked how my life ended, it was um, a choosing to pass on um, consciously to leave the body. And one of the things that I had told myself was that like, this has to be protected. Like, this isn't over yet. Like, there's something else that's still going to happen. And I remember other things that I saw in the QHHT session were, um, like, stone pillars carved with different symbols and languages and spells and incantations and words of protection. Um, people would be eating in these grand halls um, with crystal at the end. Like, there was a, just a giant crystal tower at one end of it with stairs that went down to this big eating hall area and just it was so interesting to see this because it's just um, little bits and pieces and pictures that you kind of have when it's going on and I, I just remember feeling very interested in it and some of the women that I had worked with in Atlantis are some of the women that I now know today in this life, um, one of them I work with a lot. She was one of the ladies who, who was part of the legislative ceremony with the sound healing back in Winnipeg before, and I believe it was 2014. And then after the life in Atlantis, QHHT, um, they take you into the space between life and death and then um, – your high self or energy can also come through and provide some information. And that's where a lot of my questions got answered. But instead of my personal high self coming through, what came through in this session described itself as um, collective consciousness of one of 12 greater collective consciousnesses of different areas of life. And Suzanne asked for an explanation of what that meant, and it described it as like an oversoul or an oversoul group. Um, So some of the questions that I had asked for, one of them was about all of the strange um, energetic experiences that has happened to me during my life. And it was explained to me that um, I came through as like a conscious agreement between myself and my mom. My mom had had an alien adoption experience in her youth and told me about it when I turned 16 years old and it's always been in the back of my mind. And then in my QHHT session, it came through that I was told that that experience was me making that agreement with my mother to come through at this time. And as that happened, it was like all of the codes and energies and galactic timing were had to be correct for me to come through. 
because um, there's certain people on the planet, this is how it was ex- came through to me in my session, that are wired energetically and in a, on a blood code level in such a way that they bring through channels of energy from the higher or upper dimensions through themselves as a physical being down into the earth as a, on the physical plane. And they need people to do this because it has to be a channel of energy from one source to the other. And so um, when I would have these experiences of, it was like my my nervous system goes into this overdrive. It always happens with this huge pronounced heartbeat going like boom, boom in your system. And then this flood of life uh, or just this wave of energy comes down from up above and it's really directive. Like you can feel it moving right through you. It's quite intense. And then it goes through you and down into the earth or whatever that you're doing. And it happened to me um, at the Crystal Quest in 2019, November. It happened to me there. And that was the most pronounced time that it has ever happened. And it prompted me to ask about it in my session. And it was explained to me that um, people who have this in their coding, kind of like how you would describe the signal from your team, like it's just this uh, signal that your body has, that it has the ability to pick up on that channel, pick up on that frequency, drag it down, pull it through, and then ground it into the earth. And this is what a lot of us are doing to ground in these new energies and frequencies on the planet. Oh, that's uh, so so true. I mean, it, it's uh, all these little, little like like almost tendrils of conduits, yeah. you know, that's bridging the energy <laughs> from from the higher dimension and and bringing it bring it into the earth. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So um, let's see when we talk about next. Um, let's talk about the crystals. And and uh, and communicating with the crystals, and the, and the connections that you have to the the crystal kingdom. That what started for me. I've always been attracted to quartz crystals, especially. Um, but after I had my initial reading with you, Ariel, and you were explaining about the crystal grid markings on my chart, this kind of light bulb went off in my head and it started making me look into things a lot more. And it started by going to local crystal shops in my city at the time. And I would pick up crystals, but especially quartz. And it would give off um, this soft vibration in my hand and the energy would flow through the body and they could actually feel it. It was the first time I actually felt the energy from crystals. And then after that time, I started working with crystal singing bowls, using them in ceremony and toning with them. And the resonance of the energy would vibrate in my body on a physical level that I could feel like there was change going on. Uh And after that, I started to have these dreams where crystals would come to me in the dream time. One of them was like a small double terminated crystal, kind of like an enlarged Giza crystal, and it was, it would, they always appear to me in um, purplish pink light surrounded by gold with like these little kind of sparkles around it. And 
in this particular experience, this crystal went into my third eye area in the dream time. And when I woke up from it, I had this um, immense feeling that I had to start working with the crystals. And it was at that time that I wrote to Lavendar to get some Giza crystals and then would take them with me and place them where they, where they were called to be placed. Um, I've placed them in Mount Shasta, Banff, Canada, um, other different places in California, along the seaside, pretty much everywhere that I feel like they need to go, I will take them with me and plant them there. I've made artwork with them. Um, they're actually in some sculptures from some of my friends who make art that have been displayed at Burning Man. Um, they were called to be there. Um, and various other places as well. But then after that, I started to get like just these visuals and experiences of needing to always work with them, and they were calling to me. And so I always wanted to be able to offer that to other people because sometimes when I would discover them and pick them up, I, would, I knew that they weren't for me, but I was the channel to get them to other people. So I would then start picking them up and bringing them with me for my friends who practice the same type of work that I do. And sometimes they would pick them up and be like, oh my goodness, this is calling to me. And I started to develop this sense that, you know what, I think this is part of what I'm here to do, is spread this to everyone across the planet, like with the Crystal Grid Network. And one of my things that I wanted to do was set up this business, but I always kept pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off because I got scared. I didn't want to do it. I didn't think it'd be successful. That ego mind comes in. And it took me a long time to start push that away and just be like, you know what? No, I have to do this. I'm being called to do this. So after my QHHT session, the one of the main prominent things that came through for me was that I this was one thing that I need to do and I need to do it now. And so... Pretty much after I got back home from that session, I had another dream where Crystal appeared to me in the dream time. And it's just one of those signs that you can't ignore. And so I popped up online. I was doing some research. And then I organically started getting connected to all of these amazing family miners in Colombia, in Brazil, um, all the places where the beautiful crystals are found in Arkansas. And things just started lining up like crazy with no resistance whatsoever. I simply made an inquiry. I looked at what I saw and I felt this incredible pull that this is what I need to do and this is who I need to be working with because they're all ethical family businesses from the mine up. There's no commercial process involved. There's no commercial cleaning of the crystals involved. They're all cleaned with just water and no chemicals. And it's the family-run business who does it from start to finish. And having that ethical practice behind everything is really important to me. I don't oh, yeah. want to. Yeah, like it's just, it has to feel good. And it has to feel good for the crystals as well, not just myself. And so that was like the biggest point for me where I just put my foot down and said, okay, I can't ignore these signs. I need to start doing this. And I did. And I'm so happy I did. Oh, we're so proud of you for for staying with it, you know. Um, so now, and now you're combining 
crystals and your uh, your geometric channeled artwork. So how does that how does that how do the crystals work together with your fractal expressions? I love meditating with crystals. I meditate with them all the time. And sometimes when I meditate with them, I'll get flashes of symbols or I'll get flashes of a picture or a shape or an image. And I'll sit down and I'll take up my piece of paper and I'll start with just the first shape that came through to me. I don't do anything on computer. All my art's done by hand with a compass, pencil, ruler, you name it, just physical media. And wow, yeah, wow. When I saw I saw the samples, you know, and I and I went to your website and was checking things out. Um, Most people do those fractal things, and it's a computer software program. And you know, and I was like, and then they come up with a design, and then they they put a meaning to it. And I thought that seems a little backwards. Seems like the meaning should come first. And then give birth to the design, and that's what you're doing. You're really drawing this stuff out. You're not using software. No, not at all. I it's just oh, it doesn't feel wow. right to me. Like I need to feel that connection with what I'm doing. And I have to say, when you're drawing fractals or math, geometric art, sacred geometry, like Flower of Life, it's such the basis, base foundation for our reality that there's an enormous connection with it because everything is based off of a shape in physical matter. So like when you start drawing the circle of life or flower of life, for example, and you realize as you're drawing it, how interconnected everything is. And when you look at it, you can, you can actually draw every single shape inside of the flower of life um, because it's the basis of everything, the basis of creation. And so when I create the drawings that I do, they they usually start as just one shape. The only exception to that is the one that's titled Triangle Meditation on my website. That image came to me fully formed in meditation. It was just this bam. I saw it and I drew it. But everything else always would start as the central shape and grow out from there. I, I draw the um, Therapinski's triangle, which is the name of the fractal in that picture, and then it, the picture would tell me what comes next as it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And with the case of the one that I provided with you at the Darcy Quest in November, that one just like a whole bunch of language just started coming through me, and I was just drawing and drawing and drawing. And those are symbols that I will see in my meditations. Symbols that I've seen on the cube, symbols that I just, you know, pop into my head as I'm drawing them. And when I look at that and I take a step back and I just look at it, I usually will feel different things from the symbols. I never get any direct translation for the symbols. It's always just, what do you feel? What do you see from it? How does it make you feel? What do you think about it? I don't, like, I couldn't point one out and say that one means love. Like, it's just, there's no way to do something like that. Uh-huh. But like each picture has its own resonance and feel to it, and I'm currently working on a new one right now that has really strong 
Native American vibes to it. And I'm very excited to see where it's going because <laughs> right now it looks amazing. <laughs> wow. Uh, so um, on your on your website, um, you have a really gorgeous selection of the finest, almost you know, museum quality um, crystals. And when you um, when someone you know wants to buy a crystal from you. Do you um, include some of your artwork, or are they two separate things? The full print is a separate thing. Um, My business card has some artwork on it, Um, but I always cleanse and clear the crystals. I charge them in a grid with Giza crystals. I make sure that they're clear and ready to go to their new owners um, because – some of them are very, like the, like the special part about the crystals that I have right now, especially the ones from Colombia, the only person who has touched those crystals has been the miners themselves and myself. So they haven't gone through, you know, several other people to get to. They haven't been in shops and been around. It's just been from from the mining family to myself to the owner. And I always clear the crystals. I treat them with the utmost respect. I love them. I, the moment that I that I got the first shipment of the beautiful striated Lemurian crystals, I, when I touch each one, you could just feel each one was its own separate being, and I would smile, and I could feel it. And it, it just was this such life-affirming feeling to be the guardian of these crystals until they find their, their keepers. And I treat that very seriously. Like I like, it's very important to me that they're treated with respect. Wow, you know, I've had I've had people email me and say, like, "Do you, can you recommend a good place to buy crystals online?" And and my stock answer was, I, I wouldn't buy a crystal online because you don't know where it's been, you don't know who's touched it, um, you don't know how it's been treated. But now. I, I'm so glad that that you're doing this because now I got some place to send people, um, <laughs> you know. And I want to ask you, um, how do you tell the difference between like a Lemurian crystal and Atlantean crystal, um, the uh, other, you know, types Colombian? How 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 what makes them different, and how do you know? Um, when it comes to Lemurian crystals, there's a lot of lore and information that's available online. Some of it's different from other people. Um, some of it goes really deep into the history of Lemuria. Myself being a very feeling-based person, I always go by what feels right to me. But what I can tell you about the Lemurian crystals that is actually fact is the very first ones were discovered in Brazil in the late 1990s. And I guess you could call Lumeria is kind of like a crystal trade name per se. They're, they are actually quartz crystals. What makes them different is their growth habits and their appearance. So Lumerian crystals generally have what's called a muso habit growth pattern, um, they look kind of like a long wand. They're usually a little bit bigger at the bottom and taper off into a point at the top. 
and they're characterized by alternating phases of smooth and striated, smooth and striated. As you turn it around, you'll, you can see that. And striations is when you look at the crystal, it kind of looks like there's lines and lines like barcodes. And so it, when it's said that when you meditate with the crystal or you rub your thumb along the barcode lines of the crystal, that Lumerian codes and information can be given to you. I can tell you that with the ones that I've worked with and have in my own personal collection, that I have definitely received information from them for myself on a personal level. Um, whether or not that's related to Lumeria or Atlantis is another thing, but I just know that like they have a they carry a different energy than like the quartz you would get from Arkansas. I consider that a really strong Atlantean energy. That's what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. And the the ones that come out of Colombia are actually newer. It's, an, it's more of a newer find, but they call them Lumerians because they have the same growth patterns and habits as the ones that were found in Brazil. And But these ones are actually generally extremely clear um, and they don't necessarily have the same frosted look or effect to them that the ones from Brazil have. And the way that I feel when I feel into the energy of the crystals, what I get from them is the ones from that come out from Brazil came to us and appeared to us at a certain time with a certain level of energy and codes that we needed at that time in the late 1990s. And now these ones that we're finding, and there's clearer ones coming out of Brazil now, when I feel into them, and because I, I have some of both, it feels to me like the ones that are coming out of Colombia are not necessarily higher or better or any way, shape, something like that, but they tend to be more clear. Like the information that comes from them is on a, is a different vibration that come from Brazil, but they harmonize so well together. It's kind of like a mother and child situation, if you think about it that way. One's the elder and and one's the younger, but they synergize Uh extremely well together. It's very interesting. Wow. Well, I uh... (laughs) have... I have what um, when when, a while ago when you were talking, uh, you said something. I thought, "Ah, I wonder if that's on her chart. And so I went and looked at your chart, and yeah, getting information out of crystals is your birthright. It's on your chart. (laughs) Yeah, so you got you've got that that you know mark of the crystal grid itself, and the and the galactic center, and and they are in positions that give you the rites of passage um, and, and the almost, you know, urgency to do this mission. Oh, I've been feeling the urgency lately for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's why yeah. I finally put my foot down and said, you know what, I just got to get over myself and do it. And I'm really happy that I started it. Well, we are too. So um, you said that um, it, we do have some time right now that you might like to uh, bring through a a message in light language for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely, I could. Okay, well, yeah, if you'd like to, um, uh, we have the time to do it now. Okay, for sure. Um, excuse me. 
Let's just take a couple of deep breaths and settle into the space a little bit. We'll do three breaths together. Okay. Eia nahoya nakaya masnakoro aiknaia malolo isnakaya maktakoi inuana aktakoi alaia malo iknana astoi baktakua niklo ikta moya istakurgoa makro nai ikto alaia matoya ia aya ora oro maktakai lai Mana oa ia ho, nana ha east ko, lana inaho ana ohoa, okti laha nanoho aha, moho nahia ea o stika, pik naha laraho manaha, nanahai noho nanahi hao laha naho nahia aho, manahoro ahaya ihi. Aho, alaha, kahea, naki, naha, maho, nahaya, iakea, laho, ishtakaya. <laughs> that was a bit of a buzz. Wow, yeah. That had kind of a Pleiadian cadence to me. Do you do you have a a, a source that's name? That's what for that? I feel from it. <laughs> that's that, that's the closest one that feels like it to me. Oh, my eyes are watering. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels very yeah. fluid to me. Very embracing. Very fluid and, and very loving. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's like even even though we don't have you know, definitions for the words and the grammar, there's an energy that's just, you know, almost maternal. Yeah, it's like a big hug. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever I say it, it's like a big hug. Yeah. Oh, that was wonderful. Thank you for that. And um, You're welcome. So you have a, a special discount for our listeners if they would like to um, take a look and um, see if one of the crystals that you have so um, meticulously cared for has been waiting for them. So um, the website is fractalexpressions.com, F-R-A-C-T-A-L, fractalexpressions.com. And then you're also on Instagram at fractal.expressions. So um, you, you want to just tell us how they can how they can get this this discount from your shop? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've set it up to be a twenty percent uh, discount off any purchase, and you just need to enter the code at checkout, and it's easy to remember. It's lavendar. L a v a n d a r. Is it all capital? Um, yes, it's set up in all capitals. Okay, so all capital letters. And um, just so that you can remember, Lavendar 
all the vowels are A. And it has to be like that in order to get the discount. But, yeah, a lot yeah, of people try, try to put like an it. E in there someplace. But lavender, all the vowels are A's. So remember that, all capital letters and uh, a 20% discount. And even even without that, I thought that, that the, the prices were extremely reasonable. I actually saw one that you had mounted on a little stone that I think it said dream and I yes. looked really closely, and it was an Athena crystal. Yes, and I those have some are. Of those. Um, you want to explain um, why the Athena crystals are so special and how you can recognize them? Um, yeah, the uh, the Athena crystals have the um, diamond-shaped window as one of the faces on the crystal, and it's a. I can't remember exactly how Lavendar describes it, but to me it's like a very powerful, divine, feminine energy coming through channeling Athena because that's also the shape as well. Right, and the, and the, the diamond, I mean, it's shaped like a kite, kind of, or like the, a diamond on a playing card, not like yeah. a ring. And, and the diamond is connecting the side shaft to the top point, almost like that one of the corners on the side was sheared off, leaving the diamond shape. And, uh, boy, that crystal was just water clear and, and, and gorgeous. I got really excited when I saw it, and, and <laughs> I couldn't believe how inexpensive it was. So, you've, yeah, boys and girls, if you're listening, um, um, Nicole's got some excellent specimens and now we've heard um, how she cares for them and respects them so that you know that you are getting not only um, a high-quality crystal, but also they've been charged up with the Giza crystals. Because if you put a Giza crystal with any other crystal, it will program the other crystal to match that frequency. So these are extremely special crystals that um, that you've got on there. And... Um, and the artwork, I imagine, uh, because your site hasn't been up all that long, has it? No, uh, just over two months at this time. Yeah, it's very recent. Okay, so I'm sure that you're going to be adding, you know, more artwork, more crystals, um, more content. But the site's beautiful just as it is. Um, so, you know, check back. You might sell out. <laughs> so you might <laughs> you might need to check back and... Um, you know, just just keep it keep it coming. Um, yeah, and the, well, I mean the me, Arkansas crystals are extremely Atlantean, um, so you are you're correct with that feeling. And um, yeah, we're just so proud of you, Nicole, um, because you were so quiet. You know, when you came, I am, to, I'm came a very to Arkansas quiet person. <laughs> in 23, very quiet, and I thought, and she's an Aries. <laughs> But you were just, you were quiet, you were obser- observing and just soaking it all in. And then, you know, all this has happened since then. So it, in a way, it's, a, it's another testament to the, the power of the soul family reunion, um, you know, lifting people farther in their development, um, kind of like getting on the fast track. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. It's literally 
has been some of the most life changing and affirmating experiences yeah. that I've had. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can't well, wait to go know, back once the borders open. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've Sometimes we've had to reschedule our our quests this year, and it's like, okay, well, maybe we can go to the next one. And then, you know, in Arkansas, people are uh, a little cavalier, and they keep having additional outbreaks. So we have to, you know, we have to protect our starseed family. So we've been kind of mm-hmm. leapfrogging. Okay, we'll move this one to the month after that and then that to the month after that. So right now it looks like November's a go and it's that that's full. So that's why no one's been hearing me talk about what's going on with the quests because we've got uh they've been they've all been full <laughs> and we just keep oh, moving them. That. <laughs> yeah, so we've we've um we're now we're about to announce the dates for 2021 and uh you know, if the borders open back up, I know you're coming back. Oh, definitely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I'm I'm border locked for the time being, but that's not forever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we we have to we have to be wise, and yes, um, and make you know make wise decisions. And um, as much as we want to just let's just go, um, we can't do that. We have to. No. Um, protect people because I'm, I guarantee there would be star seeds. It's like, all right, we're coming, you know, but I don't want anyone to have to pay the uh, consequence for, yeah. um, you know, getting overzealous and, and not really thinking things through at this point in time with the, with the way everything is. But, um, you know, it's going to be better. All of this, uh, you know, crisis and hoopla that's been going on, it's bringing out a side of people. It is, and it's waking up more star seeds. So, um, mm-hmm. even though there has been some disappointments with, you know, not being able to travel, um, you know, group events, concerts, all of those kind of things have been shelved for now. But there was a lot of good, you know, families coming back together and and um, star seeds waking up in droves. Um, so I have a, and I know, I know um, that there are more ships here now than ever before helping us, you know, keeping the planet together <laughs> while we go through this. It's almost like, like labor pains um, as the planet yeah. is, is, you know, birthing a, a new frequency. Um, there has been some labor pains, but, you know, our, our, um, off-world families are they're there they've got everything under control and they keep an eye on us um in spite of ourselves you know they are um, they are supporting us so i don't want anyone to be thinking anything different from that because uh you know don't feel like like we're being abandoned because we're not no yeah and all things yeah. in perfect timing for sure like, oh, sure. for example, yeah. this this whole experience of, you know, not being able to travel or do things or having your whole world, in a sense, completely shifted, um, it has done a lot of good for a lot of people. It's all about how you manage the energy and the situation that you're put with and in front of. For myself, I took it very constructively in a way where I sat down and I used this time 
to launch this. Mm-hmm. I like I launched my my business. I sat down. I did a lot of personal work. I went inside. I'm I I thought to myself, what 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 can I do that's positive with this situation, and and this is what has come up from it. And I've actually seen this amongst a lot of people as well, and it's also bringing up energies and things that need to be acknowledged, seen, shifted, and changed. And if there isn't that catalyst or that push or something to make that go, it, it might just not come to the surface. And like, there's always two sides to every coin. So where something may not look positive in one direction, when you flip it around and you look at it from a different angle or a different viewpoint, you can see how it actually is a benefit. And it's all just a matter of your mindset and what you do with it going forward. Exactly. I saw I saw a tag on an email that that just you just reminded me of. It's something words to the effect of where you are now is a result of the way you were then, but where you go from here is completely up to you. You know, so it's yeah. Yeah, the way you've always been is how you got here. But where you go next, um, that's only determined by the way you choose from now on. Very true. Yep. Yeah, I did. I didn't quote that very well, but you get the idea. I get the point. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Nicole, it's just been a pleasure reconnecting with you and and hearing all these wonderful things, this growth that has happened for you over the last. Eight years. I mean, we just saw you last year at, at a 2019 quest, and even then, it was like, wow, you weren't quiet anymore. You weren't withdrawn and, and you know, kind of kind of shy, um, like you were the first time. So yeah, it's, it's really good <laughs> good for us to to see how you know people bloom, like you did. Absolutely. And yeah. We just we just we couldn't be prouder of you and prouder of you, and we are so happy to support you in this new endeavor. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here, and I, I appreciate absolutely every moment of interaction, wisdom, knowledge, and soul growth. That is, this community is absolutely amazing, and I love you all. Ah, Well, big hugs to you, sweetie. And maybe in 2021 we'll get to see you again, but I know it'll be uh, sooner or later. Uh, absolutely. Before you, Once it's you know, safe to do so, I'll yeah, be Yeah, well, we can travel again. <laughs> All right. Yes. I just give you a big hug. <laughs> okay. Big hug back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap it up now. So everyone remember the website is fractalexpressions.com and and if you're looking for high quality, reasonably priced, beautiful crystals, check it out. And remember 50, uh, 20% off with the code lavendar and every vowel is a so there you have it. So, Nicole, you take care and um, continue doing what you're doing, and we will talk to you um, either in Arkansas or maybe again on the radio show. Absolutely. Sounds great, Ariel. Okay. Thanks so much for being with us tonight. Bye-bye. Bye now. And that is it for us. We'll be back two weeks from tonight. And in the, in the meantime, remember to give compassion 
instead of anger or criticism and find something to be grateful for. We all have it. Just remember and count your blessings every day. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.